Welcome to Southern Salon Podcast. I'm Amy Clark Spain. I'm Brittany Robertson. And we're glad you're with us. And today we're really excited to have Wall Street Journal reporter Elizabeth Bernstein with us. She just recently published her latest column about the science of prayer. And we're so excited to talk to her. But let me give you a little bit of information first about Elizabeth. She's been at the Wall Street Journal for over a decade, and she has a relationship column called Bonds, in which she covers personal relationships and communication. She's won numerous awards for her writing. She's written for various publications, including New York Magazine and Forbes and the Chicago Tribune. So welcome to Southern Salon Podcast, Elizabeth. We're glad you're with us. Thanks for having me. I'm really glad to be here. Now, you and I met in January at the Key West Literary Seminar, and we were on a literary walking tour. That's where we first met, right? That is where we first met. I forgot about that detail. That was really fun. And we, I remember we started talking, we were so excited when we realized we had some things in common and we ended up at the back of the tour trying not to get in trouble because we were talking through the tour, which was it's fun. very familiar, like school. That was well before the pandemic. So how have you been doing since then with all of this craziness? I'm hanging in there. Thank you. I live in Miami, so we're hunkered down. It's a little bit of a hot spot. So I've been quarantined since early March. And, you know, I always work from home. So that didn't change much. And, you know, what does change is you don't get to see your family, which is really hard or friends. But um, so far, so good here in my family. And and so I can't, can't complain at all. Can you tell us a little bit more about the column that you write for the Wall Street Journal? I know it's about relationships and about communication, but can you get a little more in-depth about the kinds of topics you cover? Sure. I always think of the column as covering relationships and social psychology, and really it's about the way we relate to the people in our personal lives. So I don't write that much about our work relationships, but any I write broadly across any kind of relationship, uh, your relationship with your elderly parents, with your romantic partners or your spouse, you know, with your adult children. I look at adult relationships with all your friends, with your siblings. Um, so I look very broadly at relationships and I study, It's it, I look at the research that has been done in fields like relationship science, psychology, neuroscience. I also think of relationships as a relationship with ourselves. So how do we think and behave and sort of communicate with ourselves? How can we be the best person? Because we have to do that in order to have any other solid relationship. So sort of the relationship with ourselves and our other loved ones is how I think Think about that. I don't want to switch gears entirely, but I did want to talk to you about one of your recent articles. So a few days ago, um, Elizabeth, you wrote a column uh, about the science of prayer, which we found extremely interesting because Amy and I both did a podcast about kind of a crisis of faith for both of us. So I really, really enjoyed your your article. Could you talk a little bit about that? I wanted to write about prayer for several reasons. Um, again, I always come at my columns as looking at the research in something. So the column right before this, for example, was about gratitude. And it looked at research into how gratitude can help our mental health, help us feel stronger emotionally, um, even help our physical health. So that's my sort of approach to the column. So I wanted to give prayer the same type of approach. I wanted to know, are there health benefits of prayer? We Scientists can't study the existence of God, of course. And that's not, you know, my column is not a religious column or a spiritual column, but it's a science-based column. But I wanted 
to do that. Look at the science of prayer. Does it help our health in any way? I was curious what science might be out there, what scientists are working on. And I wanted to look at this right now for several reasons. One is that people are praying a lot more right now. We, we know this. A Pew study recently it looked at people praying in March, and more than half of Americans prayed for the end of the coronavirus. That, that's a big, significant increase in prayer in the country. And then Google searches for prayer went up. They skyrocketed again in March as people were looking for help praying, I suppose. And one of the biggest searches for prayer on Google was for coronavirus prayer. So people were searching for prayers to end the coronavirus, to show strength through it, prayers for the healthcare workers. So as a country, there, there was this large increase in prayer, this idea that there's no faith atheists in a foxhole, which I'm sure there are some, but mostly people tend to turn to religion, spirituality in a crisis. And so that's why I wanted to look at it. And I had personal reasons as well. I had a, um, I had an experience with prayer this summer that was very powerful. Yeah, I saw that uh, when I saw your personal experience at the end, it made me think of that podcast that Brittany mentioned, because we each talked, our podcast is not a religious podcast either. And we do try to incorporate research. And that's what I love about your columns is, is the research aspect, because I think it's really important to back up you know, what you're thinking about or writing. And of course, that's what we teach at college is that research is really important to back up your ideas. But we talked about in our crisis of faith, how we can't explain it exactly beyond our belief. It's hard to explain, but it it did make a difference in our stories and how we got through. So do you want to talk a little bit more about your particular story? Sure. I'm I'm happy to tell it. You know, I never had, uh, I didn't pray much really before this and before this summer. And I had a really tough year before this pandemic. Both my parents became quite ill. And my, my dad in particular, he went in for surgery, elective surgery, and he was fine, very strong and um, healthy. And he had a heart attack and a, a massive stroke that afternoon and evening. And then a few weeks later, he had a cardiac arrest in the hospital. And uh, this is obviously super hard for me, my family, I'm close to my father, but I was there during the cardiac arrest. I was in the hotel, uh, the hospital room when it happened. And um, then I quickly was shuttled out of the room as the healthcare workers worked on him to try to revive his heart. And it was really horrible. As you can imagine, it was, it was four minutes, I was told later, it felt like four years. It was a horrible time for me in this hallway of this hospital as I watched all these healthcare workers, doctors and nurses and other people running into his room, you know, shouting for help. And, you know, I was in the hallway thinking, you know, is he going to live? Is he going to die? And there were nurses and people who worked at the hospital, you know, surrounded me. I was crying and pacing and, and a nurse said, do you want to pray? And I, I mean, I was beside myself and I said, yes, yeah, of course I want to pray. Um, but I don't know how. She just grabbed my hand. She didn't say anything. She grabbed both my hands. She bowed her head to mine. So we're bowing heads together. And she started praying out loud for both of us, like, dear Lord. And I mean, I did not know what to do. She just started praying for both of us. And I thought, well, I am all in, you know, because these, these are minutes where I'm going to call in anything that's going to help. We got through that. 
And then they were able to revive my father. And another nurse came out and said, we've got his heartbeat. The doctor came and said, you know, he explained, he's not out of the woods though. He's rushing him to ICU. My father's intubated and they're explaining, you know, just because we have his heartbeat does not mean he will survive the day. So I, again, I don't have my family there right now. My mom was home. My sisters weren't there. So I'm again beside myself. And I went down to the chapel at this hospital, which I had been going to a little bit for support and comfort. And so I went to the chapel. There was a sign outside that said you could call for a chaplain. So I did. I called the number and uh, they sent a chaplain and he said, you know, again, do you want to pray? He said, do you want to pray the serenity prayer? And I did not know the serenity prayer. So I said, well, I don't know it. And he said, okay, I'm going to teach it to you. And he did. And then we said it. And we must have said it 20 to 30 times because I was sobbing. And we just kept repeating it. And he repeated it with me, just calmly sat by me, by me, didn't touch me, just sat there saying this prayer with me. And then suddenly I felt this strength come over me. I calmed down. I stopped sobbing. I suddenly could see, like, you have to get up and go back upstairs and deal with this day and help your mother through it. My mom had arrived at the hospital by then. And I felt this powerful strength that I kept drawing on. I kept going back to this little tiny frankly, dusty chapel um, that I was surprised nobody else really went to at this hospital. And I kept praying. And it's how I got through these horrible days where we didn't know if my dad would live or die. So that really, to me, is where I learned about the strength of prayer for me. I can't answer if anything else happened between me and God, but I can answer what happened inside me. That, that was a very powerful experience. What a powerful story, not just for people who've been through traumatic experiences, but for people in the healthcare field to hear that. I don't think in my experience with breast cancer and all of the and the hospital visits and things like that, I don't think I had a healthcare worker offer to pray with me. Did you, Brittany, when your son was sick? I did. I did have a nurse that did. And we also had a, a chaplain that came by and visited as well. And, you know, I agree with Elizabeth. It's it's the, the peace that we experienced. Um, Elizabeth, my son, my youngest son experienced a life-threatening health issue two summers ago. And he spent three weeks in the children's hospital and half of that time was in ICU. And, you know, we relied a lot on our faith and on prayer and, and really also on the prayers of others. Other people that were praying for us, there are times in my faith walk that I can say that I've not had words to pray. You know, we relied on a, a lot on the prayers of others, which, you know, I can say that I felt immense peace and I know I wasn't able to pray. So I know it was coming from others that were praying for me. So the, the power and the peacefulness that comes from that is just, you know, hearing you talk about that just brought back so many of those memories for me about how peace can just wash over you. I did a series of columns many years ago on women with breast cancer, who had survived breast cancer. And I did go to the infusion center to interview people who were getting chemotherapy. And one of the women said, I would like for you to talk to my doctor because my doctor has prayed with me from the beginning. And I remember interviewing her doctor because I was surprised. I guess in my mind, I was thinking people who rely heavily on science may not go in that direction. But when I talked to him, he said, oh yeah, absolutely believe in the health benefits of prayer. I, I know that the health benefits of prayer. So that's when your column really caught my eye and made me think about that. And, and I think the research that you found corroborates that power and that possibility in the healing properties of prayer or, medica or meditation or something like that. Does the belief have to be there with it? 
I don't know if that's a legitimate question. Does the belief have to align with the act or is it the act itself? That is an excellent question. As I understand it, um, you do, the belief doesn't have to be solidly there. I can wonder, not be quite sure what higher power is out there. And still, if I'm open to prayer, then I will show benefits. This is what the research shows. But if I'm an atheist or I'm sure I'm a skeptic and I'm sure this is not something, there's nothing out there. I think every Everybody who prays is, you know, doing something off, silly people doing something wrong, then it's, I'm not going to be open to it. So I'm not going to have these health benefits. This is research-based, mm-hmm. what I'm saying. So you have to be open to it. Do you have to be a true believer? They, they're not seeing that. You just have to be open to this. I'm not sure what I believe, but I certainly wasn't a true believer before this. And even after, I'm not sure. But I know that I needed to, I was certainly willing to be open to some divine power helping me in that situation. And I also, I understand from psychology what centering myself Mm -hmm. will do. I understood what horrible days my family was going through. We were looking at now dad in an ICU intubated and uh, are we going to have to unhook him at some point? Is he just not viable, you know, living on his own? And so I knew how hard this was. And then I had to center myself and the people around me, that was their instinct as well. Let's pray. And so that's where we went. So, and again, I, I, think there are no atheists in Foxhole. So, um, or there just aren't a lot. I'm sure there are again, but so that, and I, I agree with Brittany that prayers of others, when you can't do it yourself, even if you don't believe it can really like lift you up for lack of a better term. You really feel supported. People stopped what they were doing and they sent you a prayer. And early on when my father first had his heart attack and stroke and one day I was so beside myself and my father knows a lot of people. So I wanted to let people know, you know, that this had happened and, you know, what had happened to him. And I also just wanted support for myself, wanted my friends to know, and I wanted to process my emotions. So I posted a few posts on Facebook explaining like, this is happening to my family. If anybody out there does pray, that would be great. Right now would be a great time mm-hmm. to pray. And so a lot of people wrote and said, I'm praying. And there's a large part of my family, not my immediate family, but large part of my family is very faithful. And so they started praying sort of in a group. And so there were a lot of people praying, a lot of friends, strangers, because I write this column, people who follow me, my column on Facebook, you know, wrote and said, I'm praying. And they sent photos. Someone sent a photo of chapel in Notre Dame University, University of Notre Dame. There's a chapel, like, a, you know, and they sent a, a grotto. There's a grotto there. So they sent a grotto, a picture of my father on a sailboat that, you know, from before among these candles at this grotto where they'd lit a candle. And someone else wrote and said, you know, there's these nuns in Wisconsin. I think. And they make prayer pies and we are having a pie made. And there was just enough people. Somebody said, my brother's a priest and we're saying mass. And the, and then people just saying their own prayers. And, and it, it felt so powerful that I became reliant on it. I thought, well, please don't stop. If you all stop, he's going to die. You know, that this, but I felt it was incredibly supportive. And you just really did feel this sense of being lifted by community. And one thing that prayer does that the research shows is it gives you this sense mm-hmm. of community. 
community. It can be community with the people you know in your family or people around you you talk about prayer with or you pray with. It can be your congregation, of course, or clergy, prayer leaders. It's this larger world of people who pray that you don't even know. It can be historically. People have prayed in generations before you. So there's this sense of community that prayer gives. And I never really thought of that until a researcher explained it all to me last you know, week or two ago when I was reporting the column. And it makes so much sense that you're you're gaining this support, not just from a higher power, but from others when you pray. We did that, um, or I did that by myself while my youngest was in surgery. And we were just really kind of unsure of the outcome. For me, I grew up in a Baptist church. And from the time I was a very young girl, and I was craving the smell of a church pew, smell of a hymnal book, just to center myself, really, as as Elizabeth said. And, and really, um, you know, I think it's easy to get caught up when, when you're in the middle of a traumatic situation. It's easy to get caught up and let your mind swirl and get, for lack of a better word, bent out of shape over what's going on. And you kind of forget, for me at least, I forgot for a moment the core of who I am and, and going back to how I believe and how my faith plays into that. And so being able to get in a church and smell it and, and be around people who were praising and praying just reminded me that there was, I was in good hands and, and things were going to be okay, but I needed that reassurance and I needed that peace to wash over me in that moment. I think that's really interesting. And there is some other um, piece of this uh, that, it, that researchers, I believe, look at that I myself did not get time to look at and report on in this column, but architecture, the actual space of where we pray can be so powerful as well. And again, we're going back to that memory, to what we know, to where we might have felt safe, you know, as children, but the architecture of, say, a church or a synagogue, and I don't mean the actual design of it, but the fact that it's there, the fact that we go to it, it's a building or wherever we pray. After this article, a woman sent me a picture of a bench. It was, she said, I'm sorry, it's a little broken down. It was, it was this sort of broken down teak bench in her backyard. It's her prayer bench. She said, you know, this is really meaningful to me. I go out there every day. So like the actual space of where we go, where we create this safe space to pray is important. That little chapel, and I'm telling you, it was this sad little dusty chapel that I think they, you know, obviously a hospital is not going to spend its money putting flowers, you know, sprucing up its fake flowers in the chapel when look at the problems we have right now with needing supplies in, in these hospitals. But it was this little tiny, dark, dusty chapel. And I used to always go in somehow the flowers would be on their sides. I would pop up the plant, put it back up. But I really became attached to this little chapel. I went there every morning when I would walk in the hospital. My dad was in the hospital for months. And it was because it was this sense of a place where I could center myself. I could have a conversation outside of the swirl of the fear. And as you know, families, when you're in these situations, in a crisis, everybody is in their own swirl of fear and then they're bouncing off of each other. And so space that you're talking about, Brittany, is really important too. When I was in Key West, there was a church. I, I'm Jewish. And I grew up, though, in a fairly mixed family. That part of the family that prays a lot is Catholic. There was this big, beautiful church close to where I was staying in Key West, just staying for a month. And so they had their doors always open. And I didn't know where the synagogue was far away. And synagogues usually, you know, are more closed and in terms of just walking in. And so I just would pop in there if I needed to. My father was still ill. And you know, so so just this space of being somewhere that you think is has some sense of sacredness for you. I really identify. Now, my prayer place is anywhere out yeah. in nature. 
um, that's where I feel close to God is if I'm walking through the woods or walking by the river, that's the place that I seek out when, especially when I really, really need to talk to God and feel close to God. And I'm also think, you know, I was thinking about this as you were talking about in what situations it tends to work better for people in terms of the psychology and the, and the benefits. And I really like the idea of thinking of God as a collaborator because it doesn't alleviate my anxiety 100% of the time, but I do feel like I've done something productive. I feel like I've left something there that will get handled or help me handle, but it, it feels productive. And I like the, the thought of collaboration. I guess that's the answer when critics say, people who are critical of prayer say, well, you're using it as a crutch. You're using it as a reason not to do anything on your own because I've had, I've, heard someone say that before. Why would you do that when you can get up and do something on your own? Exactly. So you're referring to this interesting research that looks at what type of prayer has these effects. And I don't, I don't think we've actually talked about the effects. So the health benefits of prayer, it's very hard to study. It's unfortunately not funded well overall as a field, but the studies that have been done well show that prayer has similar benefits to meditation. It can calm us down. It can reduce our fight or flight response. That's something huge right now, by the way, as we all have it activated pretty much all day long in this pandemic. It can make you less angry. It can make you less reactive to your emotions. It, it basically centers you and calms your nervous system. System down. So then this idea of collaborative prayer. So, so the researchers then wonder, you know, what kind of prayer? Are there some kinds of prayer that are better than others? And they're not talking about some religions, some specific prayers. They're talking about some type, some approach to prayer. And what they found is the collaborative approach, which is this is where if I'm praying to God or a higher power, I am going to consider myself having responsibility for my life and I'm asking for God's help. So say I have cancer, I'm going to go to my chemotherapy. I'm going to try to be healthy, you know, eat right, do the things I can do to support my body. And then I'm going to pray to God for that help I need. And that's collaborative. That kind of prayer has the health benefits. And you can see right there in that example, I give why it might. I'm going to the therapy and then I'm calling in the support that is centering me. It's bringing down my blood pressure, bringing down my nervous system. So it's having the health benefits too. That's in contrast to a different kind of prayer, which is a deferring kind of prayer. If I just think, you know, there's, I got, it's in God's hands. There's nothing I can do. Whatever I do here on earth does not matter. It's in God's hands. That kind of prayer has not negative, but it doesn't have those added health benefits because I've sort of given up, right? I've just given up my responsibility, but also that kind of prayer, there's another kind of prayer that is angry, angry at God, you know, venge, sort of vengeful, you know, please, you know, bring vengeance on my enemies, that kind of prayer, because it's very negative and it keeps you in this negative activated state does not have health benefits either. So this idea of God's a collaborator, I'm looking for some kind of support. I think many people pray for support, just make me strong through this challenge. That kind of prayer has these powerful benefits. And again, I guess I should say, this is if you believe or if you're open to it, if you, you know, if you're going to, you know, I'm going to try this, I met my end of my rope, I'm going to try this. But if you really don't believe, 
believe in it, you're actively working against any benefits it might have in, in your sort of right. brain. For me, it's so ingrained in, in who I am. And I feel like I have not necessarily research proof in my life, but I feel like I have tangible proof of how it's worked in my life. You know, and for me, when I have those questions of fate and things like that, that's what I rely on as my answer. I can say there's no other way to explain the peace that I had come over me. There's no other way that I can explain what happened in my life, what happened in this situation. There's no other way to explain how I got to the other side of this other than prayer. So kind of use that as my response for that question. Research-based, it's not. But for me, my personal experience is where I draw from. I think many, many people have that experience. How many people who pray know this. They don't need the science to tell them, hey, this helps me. Like I can't here, look, the end of the story with my father is he's still here. He's not himself. His stroke was massive and it took a lot away from him, but he's still here. And so, and he still enjoys some of his days. Like he still, you know, is able to have some enjoyment in his life. It's not the same life, but you know, so is that God? We'll never know. We don't know, but I know I got through it. And I think many, many people relate to what you're saying, Brittany. I know that I centered myself. I know I had strength. I know something there was giving me strength. Here's science telling you, we can see that that happens. They don't need the science. They know it happened. And so why would you not try something or do something continually that's working for you. And honestly, it doesn't have to work for anybody else. My dad, you know, my dad had a terrible stroke. He, it left him with aphasia. I did not know what that was before he had it, but it is an inability to understand language anymore. It took away his ability to understand written and spoken language. And so can you imagine like, it's not, he's not senile. His intelligence is preserved, but he cannot understand anything that we say to him. And this is since July. So it's this terrible experience experience. And yet what prayer did for me and centering myself. And then also I did practice a lot of gratitude, which for many people is prayer, but is um, to sort of adjust, look, I'm instead of being mad and angry and, and, and just beside myself and at a loss, because what we've lost is substantial in my family with my father's stroke. We can try to create a new relationship with him. I, you know, am thankful he's here. Thank for the support, you know, through a pandemic, I try to even say, hey, you know what, I am thankful that he does not know that this pandemic is going on because he can't, we can't tell him he doesn't understand. Prayer is all part of that, you know, continually trying to like search deeply for me for strength, to ask for strength is what it was. And then I think even if, if for no other reason, if I'm asking and focusing, I'm so clear about what I need, strength to get through this day, then, you know, you're very focused. When you're focused on something, you tend to find a way to get it, right? I think what frustrates people thinking, and this is not the right way to think about it, thinking that you're putting in your request and you're going to get exactly exactly what you're asking for, because it really is more about centering your mind and centering yourself and feeling power, that energizing power of people praying for you and understanding that that's having its own effect and it's having its benefit, that it's not necessarily the outcome that you're exactly asking to receive. You don't always get, you know, that outcome. We didn't get dad back fully. Uh, we got dad here, but that's not all I prayed for. Again, I prayed for strength to get through the day. I prayed for strength for my mother so that she wouldn't, she had had a heart attack a few weeks before, that she, we would not be looking at her becoming more sick. I prayed for her. I prayed that she would have peace through this. I prayed for my sisters to be strong and all of us to stop fighting because there was a lot of, you know, as everybody just, you know, fell apart in their 
their own like horror. Basically, there was, you know, we couldn't get to, you know, we couldn't even get on the same page. And so I just prayed for a lot and a lot of that happened. So to me, it's, it's just a very powerful thing. I think one thing that is maybe separate, I was just thinking as you were speaking, Amy, is that, you know, people don't like to be told God exists if they don't believe it. They don't want to be to be told he doesn't exist if they believe he does. So I think separating prayer, how it helps us individually from this idea of you need to believe the way I believe is important. Yes, that, absolutely. That's, that's something, I think you're right? absolutely right about that. You know, it's it's a personal choice for sure. And people, not to, I'm sorry to cut in, but people, as you said about nature, people, maybe they don't think of their praying to God, but they're out there in nature and they're, pray, they're praying that some higher power, they're asking for some support from the universe. People believe in different things or they feel something or they want to feel something. So it doesn't, again, like separating it out from you have to pray this one way you were taught as a child or I was taught as a child and I want you to pray this way. That's something else. And that actually probably isn't something so helpful. But this idea of, again, centering yourself, people go, people would think nothing. If I if I said, hey, meditation's great, everybody would say, oh, okay, it is. Nobody would start telling me I'm an idiot. You shouldn't meditate. And so there's this prayer has something else around it because of religion and the fighting around religion. And I, but I think this idea of individual prayer, however you do it, even in a group. So Elizabeth, I know you're working on a book length project. Can you tell us, can you give us a little insight about what that will be? Sure. Thanks for asking. I am working on a book that's really about my column. And it's about, I've done this column for 10 years. I've, I've been in the journal longer, actually 20 years, but I, I've done this column on relationships for 10 years now. And over, it's as I mentioned before, it always looks at the research around all these fields, different ways people relate to each other. And I have learned learned a lot in that time, I realized. I really have learned at what researchers and what therapists know works. And so I'm doing a book about the very best research, the very best advice that I have learned. My column is a self-help column, you know, that I've learned over the years from the experts. So it's going to look at that, but it's also going to be a little bit about myself. It's it's a fun and sometimes very odd job to be the relationship reporter at the Wall Street Journal. And so it's going to look at how, you know, I can go out there and I can write a column and tell everybody to do whatever it is that I know is great. Please, you know, think about gratitude or prayer because I here's the research that shows it might help you. And then I can turn around and just bungle everything at home in an hour. Like it's just, you know, it's not that I'm, you know, a, a terrible person, but I think we all have these experiences. We're trying our best and then it doesn't always work the way we know it, we should be making it work. And so my column's going to look at that. It's going to be sort of t- this best advice told you know, sort of how it has or has not worked in my life. And some of this story of this past year with my father becoming sick with my family, where I really had to dig down and communicate well, and the stakes were high is going to be part of it. It's sort of, so it's going to have a personal arc of a narrative, but it's really going to be giving some, some hopefully very solid advice. Thank you so much for joining us today because this has been, this has made my day. This has been such a great conversation and I feel like I learned so much from your article and I learned so much more from hearing you talk about it. Thank you. Thank you both so much. It's, it's been really fun. I really appreciate it. And, and it's been fascinating to hear your stories and just also to, to, to have like a nice long conversation about something that I do think is important for people to at least think about is great. I really appreciate it. <laughs>